The Bible describes a spiritual war that takes place over the souls of men and women and of boys and girls. It describes the fact that we have a real enemy named the devil who seeks to kill and steal and destroy our lives. And each and every one of us face temptations that are real uh, in our lives to lure us into sin, to lure us away from the Lord. Russell Moore, the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission writes, if the ancient scriptures are right, then unseen spiritual beings out there are disturbed by what you are reminding them of. You may not be a Christian or even particularly religious, but if you're human, some cosmic rulers see in you the threat of an ancient oracle, that one day someone like you, a human born of a woman, would crush their skulls. You may never have thought of yourself as similar to Jesus, but you're more like him than you know, or maybe even than you want to be. The cosmic story interrupts your personal story, and it's dangerous if you can't see where. Between Eden and you, there's a Judean wilderness, and that's where Jesus stood down every test, every strategy that you'll ever encounter, and he won. That's why though we're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. But in order to conquer, you must face reality. Don't mistake the stillness of your conscience for freedom from temptation. The scripture says that temptation is common to man. The issue isn't whether you're tempted, but whether you're aware of it and striking back. You're on the verge of wrecking your life. We all are. And so this article is a sobering reminder of this temptation that we all face and the reality of the disaster that's on the horizon if we are susceptible to these temptations. And so today we come to a passage of scripture that was a, a, a turning point in the early part of Jesus' life. This was the beginning, really, of his earthly ministry as he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness in Judea. And he spent 40 days there fasting. And at the end of these 40 days, he was approached by Satan who tempted him. And so as we continue this series called On the Mountains, today we want to come to the Mount of Temptation in the Judean wilderness. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And he answered, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you, and they'll support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus told him, it's also written, do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you'll fall down and worship me. And Jesus told him, go away, Satan, 
For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the devil left him, and angels came and began to serve him. Today, as we study this passage of Scripture, I want us to examine these temptations of Christ and to see how his temptations are really the same sorts of temptations that we face in our lives every day. The first thing that we see in this passage is a temptation of pleasure. Satan comes to Jesus in a moment of physical weakness for him. In verse 3, it says that he approached him and said, If you're the Son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. Now, this story happens right after Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. And it was there that the voice of the Father was heard saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And so Satan is attacking what uh, was a pronouncement there that would have terrified all of the demons of hell, that the very Son of God is now present on the earth and that the Father is well pleased in him and what he has come to do. And so he attacks his sonship, his messiahship, and he says to him, if you are the son of God, then you should do this. And this temptation is for Jesus to use his own power for his own personal agenda or his own, his own personal ends to, to set aside the plan of the Messiah and to be selfish. And these aren't flippant temptations that Satan is, is presenting before Jesus. The passage tells us that he's been fasting for 40 days. Most of us struggle if we haven't eaten in 40 minutes. But here Jesus has not eaten physical food for, for 40 days. And so you can imagine the real hunger that he has at this moment. And Satan comes to him uh, with uh, this, this sparkling, alluring temptation before him. Turn all of these stones in this desert that you see into bread. You can fill your belly at this time. He's playing on the fact of Jesus' hunger. Is Jesus going to be selfish? Is he going to choose his own physical fulfillment over the Father's plan for his life? Is he going to be ruled by his flesh? That's the temptation that's put before him at this moment. And we come to this same crossroads all the time. Are we going to choose physical fulfillment in our lives over God's plan? Are we going to be selfish consumers? When that person at work is, is flirting with you, and you face this, this temptation of whether you're going to choose physical satisfaction over your marriage and the covenants that you have made with your spouse. When you find that second or third or fourth portion of food that's sitting on the counter, you face the temptation of whether you're going to choose physical satisfaction over a healthy body that's the temple of God. When you see a, a six-pack of, of beer or a bottle of pills in front of you, you face this temptation of whether you're going to choose physical satisfaction over a sober mind. And the, the tempter approaches us with these same sorts of temptations that he sought to put before the Lord Jesus. 
and he waits to uh, till he finds us in a moment where we seem weak and we seem susceptible. Just like Jesus seemed like this would be a good time to, to catch him. So what are we going to do? In the passage, Jesus rebukes Satan by quoting scriptures. In verse 4, he answered him, It is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, man isn't just a physical being. We're not animals that are driven by our hungers and by our, our lusts. We're not beasts that have these uncontrollable thirsts. He's quoting here from Deuteronomy chapter 8 in verse 3, where the Bible says, He humbled you by letting you go hungry, and then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you could learn that man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so Jesus was pointing them back to this Old Testament story as a reminder of a time when the Israelite people were hungry, but God met their needs, that he filled them. And what <clears throat> truly sustains man beyond even physical satisfaction is the fulfillment that comes from God. He says what he lives on is everything that proceeds from the Lord. And the same thing is true for, for you and for me. Of course we need food and water to survive. Jesus isn't denying that. That's why he says that man doesn't live on bread alone. He certainly needs bread to survive, but there's more than that. Jesus says what, what truly satisfies more than a one-night stand is God. What truly satisfies more than a high or a buzz is God. What truly satisfies more than a full belly is God. Russell Moore writes in his book, Tempted and Tried, that the demonic powers not only will give us what we crave, but they'll assist us in covering it over for a little while. That's precisely the irony. Often you're fueled on from one temptation to the other because you haven't been caught. And this gives you an illusion of a cocoon that's protecting you from justice. The powers, though, don't want you to get caught. Not yet. Not this early in the march to the slaughterhouse. They don't have a mere 70 or 80 years to live. They're ancient and patient and quite willing to wait until your downfall will bring with it the most catastrophic consequences for you, for your family, for the kingdom of God, and to the image of Christ you carry. So they'll help you cover it all up, and then they'll expose you mercilessly, and you'll never see it coming around the bend. So don't trade the satisfaction that's found in Christ for your physical appetite. We have to wage war against the forces of hell that would tempt us to chase after our flesh. We must overcome this temptation to pleasure. But there was a second temptation that Jesus faced in the passage, and it was a temptation to power. In verse 6, Satan comes to him a second time, and he says to him, If you are the Son of God, then throw yourself down, for it is written he'll give his angels orders concerning you, and they'll support you with their hands so that you'll not strike your foot against a stone. And so here Jesus is brought there to uh, the very pinnacle of the temple mount and 
scholars would teach us that the height of this pinnacle would have been about 450 feet down to the valley below. And so from this great height there, Satan is, is coaxing Christ to leap off of this pinnacle and that God would, would come and, and save him if he really loved him, if he was really his father. Satan is tempting Jesus to do this as an act of, of trust in God. But it isn't trust at all. In fact, the, the preacher G. Campbell Morgan writes that the reply of Jesus shows that to do so would be to prove that his trust in God wasn't perfect. And that's always so. The moment that we do something to prove God, we're proving that we're not sure of God. Trust never employs tricks to find out whether the one trusted is trustworthy. That'd be like spending all of your money on groceries and then expecting God to just provide more out of thin air. That's not trusting God. That's playing games with God. And there's this, this subtle temptation that the evil one puts before Jesus. It's a temptation to, to power. That if he can get God to, to do what we want by manipulating him, then guess who's really in control? You are. You can be the one with the power, and then God is sort of a, a puppet on a string that you are, are causing to do this or that or the other. This is the approach of, of so many religions. If you'll recite these incantations, then God must answer you. If you do this thing for God, then God must listen to you. It's like God is a, is a magic genie that's in a bottle just waiting for us to express our wishes. And the temptation is alluring because Satan is even employing scriptures to sway Jesus. He's, 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 he's trying to, to twist the scriptures to his own ends. And you better believe that Satan will distort and abuse even the word of God to cause you to stray from the Lord. And we come to this same sort of crossroads in our life where we can be tempted to try and, and manipulate God for our own ends, where we try and strike a deal with God. If you'll do this for me, then I'll do this. You think about charlatans on TV who ask you to send them a check for $49.99 and then they'll send you a prayer cloth that you, can, that you can touch or pray over and you'll have to be healed. Never mind if that's God's will or not. People try to use their own use God for their own social status or for, for financial gain in their lives. I think about in the book of Acts, Simon the sorcerer was trying to, to buy the power of the Holy Spirit uh, and use him for his own status. But God is not mocked. He's God. And we are merely the dust of the earth. We don't manipulate God. We, we don't control God. We seek God and we seek to conform to his will. It's not about us. It's about God. And so Jesus again rebukes Satan by quoting from the scriptures. He says to him there in verse seven, 
it's also written, do not test the Lord your God. And so Jesus says to him, you don't play games with God. He's sovereign. He is the one who's in control. And we have to say the same thing in our hearts. No, Satan, I'm not going to, to test God for my ends. We have to wage war against the forces of hell that would tempt us to usurp the power and the authority of God. We have to overcome this temptation to power. There's a third temptation that Satan brings before Jesus, and it's a temptation of passion. In verse 9, he says to him, I'll give you all these things if you'll fall down and worship me. Again, Satan is tempting Jesus regarding his messiahship. He's asked him this three times, if you are the son of God. What kind of savior is Jesus going to be? This is a temptation where Jesus can shortcut the father's plan and the father's path for saving mankind. Jesus is going to rule the world, but how would it happen? It would be through his own suffering. It would be through his death on the cross. But this temptation asks, why wait? Why go through all of that struggle? You can have it all now. You just have to bow down before Satan for a moment. Satan takes him to the top of a great mountain and he is able to observe all of the kingdoms of the world. And he says to him, all of this, Jesus, can be yours. Just bow down, just, just for a second. Some people think that Satan is lying here, that he can't really deliver on this promise. But Matthew doesn't offer any such clue in his gospel. And in fact, in Luke's gospel, in Luke 22, verse 53, Jesus said, Every day while I was with you in the temple, you never laid a hand on me, but this is your hour and the dominion of darkness. In John chapter 12, verse 31, he says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And so I think this is a legitimate claim of Satan. If otherwise, it wouldn't have been a temptation at all. Uh, if Satan couldn't have done this, then, then Jesus would have just said, you, you can't do that. And it wouldn't have been a temptation. But Satan is here tempting Jesus to be a savior without the cross. He says, how does that sound, Jesus? You can be the king of the world. Jesus knows that the son of man must suffer, that he, he must die, and it's going to be an agonizing ordeal. And he can, come, he can become the, the ruler of the world without all of that. In fact, Satan is really trying to see if there's any vanity in Jesus. In verse 9, he says to him, I will give you all these things if you'll fall down and worship me. And in the original language where the, the you is emphatic, he's saying to Jesus, I'll give this to you. You can leave the Father and the Holy Spirit behind, and all of this can be yours. You'll get all the glory. Just bow down before me right here. And we come to this same sort of crossroads as well. Hey, you can have the status. You can have all of your heart's desire. 
if you only take this shortcut. Every year, people make decisions where they're drowning in debt because of this same temptation. You want this big screen TV? You can have it now. You want that bigger house? You can have it now. You want a new car? You can have it now. Just sign this loan that you can't pay back or put it on this credit card and people owe more than they're ever able to pay and they sold all that they have and all that they are for present gratification and they allow their passions to rule over them. They take these shortcuts. Jesus rebukes Satan by quoting scripture again in verse 10. He says to him, go away, Satan, for it's written, you'll worship the Lord your God and serve only him. He says, I'm not going to compromise what's right for a temporary advantage. I'm not going to sell myself for a get-rich-quick scheme. He says that God alone is worthy of our worship. He's a, he's a jealous God, and he'll not give his glory to another. And you would know this, Satan, because you once were an angel, and you tried to ascend to the heights. You tried to take the very place of God, and you were cast out of heaven. And so you'll not tempt us to take the worship of the one true and living God. God and give it to you. Same is true for you. The same is true for me. Are we going to say, I'm not going to give in to this temptation just to have some, some present gratification? Are we going to say, no, Satan, I, I'm not going to give you my heart just to get this instant fix. That I'm going to instead die to myself I'm going to take up my cross daily and follow after Jesus. I'm not concerned with this status, except that I would be found in Christ. I'm not going to trade the joy of Jesus for a present fulfillment. Because our perspective as followers of Jesus is eternal and not temporal. And so we have to wage war against the forces of hell that would tempt us to be ruled by our passions. Instead, we have to overcome this temptation to passion. Now, Satan approached the first man in the Garden of Eden and tempted him in a similar way. Did God really say that? You could be in control of your life. Adam and Eve failed that test. And each and every one of us have done the same in our lives. Each and every one of us have sinned against the Lord in various ways, and we're condemned in our sin. But Jesus here is the greater Adam who faced down the devil and all of his temptations. He would not succumb to pleasure or to power or to passion, and he lived a life without sin. And because of that, he was able to offer himself on the cross to pay for all of our sins. He paid our debt and was raised on the third day to save us from our sins. And today he is offering to you salvation and forgiveness and life if you would repent or turn from your sin and trust in him as the savior of your heart. There may be some that are listening right now who need to make that decision this morning. You have the Holy Spirit convicting you and you recognize that these temptations that we've been talking about, you failed in many ways. I failed in many ways. 
But because of God's goodness and because of his grace, he gave us his own son, Jesus, who stared down these temptations and overcame them on our behalf. And he died to pay the price for what I've done and for what you've done. He rose from the dead, conquering sin and death for us so that we could have life and salvation through faith in his name. It's a decision that I made in my heart as a young man, and it's a decision that you can make in your heart right now. If this is a decision that you want to make, I want to encourage you to pick up your phone and text the word DECIDE to the number 865-234-3241. We want to get in touch with you and talk with you about what it means to know Jesus, what it means to follow after him as the Lord and Savior of your life. So text the word DECIDE right now if this is what God is speaking to you about in your heart. Christians, we face temptations every day. These are the same tricks that this ancient serpent has used since the beginning of time. Today, we have learned that we can overcome these temptations through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've learned that we can overcome these temptations through the Word of God. Every time that Jesus was tempted, he quoted Scripture back to, uh, to the evil one. And so today, will you pray for the Lord to strengthen you uh, in the temptations that you face in your life? Let's bow our heads together for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time of worship, this time to be in your word. And Lord, we pray that if there are any that are listening that need to make this decision right now to trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that, that recognize that although they have sinned, although they have failed, Jesus has never failed. Jesus has never sinned. He's the perfect Savior for us. And that they want to put their trust in him to forgive them and to save them today. I pray, Lord, that they would take that step this morning. And as Christians, Lord, as we see this example of Jesus and how he faced temptation, led by the Spirit, quoting the Word of God, Lord, that it would be an example for us of how we would overcome these same sorts of temptations in our life when we face them each and every day. So, Lord, strengthen us for every test and trial. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.